0: You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Carr. Today's episode is being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today is Thursday, May 20th, and after watching the Warriors and Lakers last night, I feel bad for the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. Two really, really good small market teams who worked their butts off to become the top two seeds in the West in a wide-open year, and in all likelihood, they get to face the defending champion Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and then they get to face Steph Curry uh, as their 7 and 8 seeds. Of course, that's not finalized just yet because the Warriors still have to beat the Memphis Grizzlies first. And that is where we are going to start today's show. We are going to recap all the ProZags action in the NBA and overseas, and we are going to preview tonight's Rui Hachimura versus DeMonta Sabonis game with a trip to the playoffs on the line. We will also talk about Gonzaga's starting lineup some more for next season. I want to give some of my thoughts on who I think starts from most likely to least likely, kind of like a power rankings, and give some reasons as to why I think the way that I do. And then, of course, we are going to finish the show with another recruiting class. We are into the top 15. And today's class consists of one freshman and three transfers, along with one of the most well-known walk-ons in program history. Like I said, we are starting today with a recap of Pro Zags. And let's start in the NBA because Brandon Clark did not play in the play in game for the Memphis Grizzlies. And it wasn't because of injury. It was a coach's decision not to play Brandon Clark. And I believe that's the first time all season that that has happened. He had been a consistent rotation player, getting anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes pretty much all year long. So the decision um, was shocking to a lot of people watching the game. I tried to find if there was an injury or a reason why, and it seems like he simply just wasn't asked to play today. And a lot of Grizzlies fans that I uh, found on Twitter were talking about how uh, late in the season he it stopped shooting pretty much at all. And I had mentioned a couple days ago that his three-point percentage had dipped into, uh, I think it was 26% or so on the year. And so it sounded like he had been messing up the spacing of the offense because of his inability to shoot from deep still i figured he would still be able to play in this game uh, and it seems a little strange that he did not they went small a lot of the game the only guys that came off the bench were four guards and one big guy but they played grayson allen which is interesting because he hasn't played a game in nearly three weeks So Brandon Clark got bumped out of the rotation in this game. Perhaps it was just a matchup thing with the San Antonio Spurs as well. Maybe they wanted just a little more physicality as opposed to a little extra athleticism. So we'll see what happens when they face the Warriors on Wednesday night. The winner of that game will be the official eight seed in the NBA playoffs. They faced each other in the final game. Of the regular season, where the Warriors beat the Grizzlies 113 to 101, Brandon Clark played 14 minutes in that game and had just two points, a rebound, and a steal. So interesting times for Brandon Clark. His perimeter shooting uh, appears to be hindering his playing time. Okay, on to some pro zags now. The biggest game uh, from yesterday was Kevin Pangos. His team Zenit St. Petersburg was down one nothing heading into game two of their series, and they played a double overtime classic. 107 to 104. Kevin Pangos' team comes out with a victory to even that series up at one game apiece. Kevin Pangos with 27 points, 9 assists on 10 of 20 shooting. He was 3 of 8 from deep, uh, connected on all four of his free throw attempts. Like I said, 9 assists and just three turnovers to go along with one steal. So a great game from Kevin Pangos. Uh, That series is tied up 1-1. It is a best-of-five series. A couple other players, Silas Melson and Jeremy Jones, also in playoff action overseas. Both teams lost game one of their playoff series in their quarterfinal matches. Silas Melson finished with 15 points, four rebounds, and two assists in Belgium. He shot six for 20 from the field, three for 11 inside the arc, three for nine beyond the arc. Uh, like I said, four rebounds and two assists as well, and... Uh, they lost 77 to 68, so they're down one game to nothing in their series. Jeremy Jones also down one game to nothing in Germany. His team lost 86 to 66. Jeremy Jones had six points, led the team in minutes with 33 minutes, uh, but had just six points and three rebounds. He was two of six from the field, uh, added three steals as well. So Jeremy Jones, Silas Melson, both down one nothing in their series. Kevin Pangos tied 1-1 in his semifinal series. Nigel Williams-Goss takes the court this morning, or at least his team takes the court this morning. We'll see if he actually takes the court this morning because he did not play in game one. Two players that will certainly take the court this evening, Demata Sabonis and Rui Hachimura. They play at 5 o'clock tonight on TNT Pacific Time. It is the Pacers, it is the Wizards. The winner goes to the NBA playoffs as the number 8 seed to face the Philadelphia 76ers, the number 1 seed in the Eastern Conference, and the loser goes home. These two teams have played each other twice already in the last three weeks. And the Wizards won both of those games. And defense was completely optional in both of those games. The first matchup they had, it was 154-141 to 141 in regulation. The Wizards beat the Pacers 154-141 to 141 in regulation. Rui Hachimura in that game had 27.7 rebounds and 2 assists. Demonte Sabonis had 32 points, 19 rebounds, 9 assists, and 3 steals. And the most ridiculous stat in that game... Uh, besides a uh, scoring hundred and fifty point fifty four points in regulation that's just embarrassing defensively. uh Russell Westbrook, fourteen points, twenty one rebounds, twenty four assists. are you kidding me? Uh, So that was game one, and then five days later, they played again, and the Wizards won by a point in overtime, 133-132. to In that game, Rui Hachimura had 13 points, 6 rebounds, and an assist. DeMonte Sabonis had a 30-point triple-double, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 13 assists, 3 steals. So they play again tonight. They play the game in Washington, D.C. Washington, like I said, beat the Pacers both of those two games earlier this month. So we'll see if the Pacers... It can uh, kind of be a third-time-is-the-charm situation for them. Washington is a three-point favorite. You can watch that game 5 p.m. Pacific Time tonight on TNT. One last thing before we move on to some lineup speculation for this coming season. Courtney Vandersloot and the Chicago Sky had their second game of the season, and they won 85-77 over Atlanta. Vandersloot played 31 minutes, was 4-4-10 from the field, 12 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, for Courtney VanderSloot and Chicago is now 2-0 on the season. Okay, coming up, I want to give a power ranking of potential Gonzaga starters and some explanations as to why I see it the way that I do. It is mid-May, it is 100% speculation season right now, so let's just dive in and continue to do that. But first, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com okay let's talk about gonzaga's starting lineup next year It is still speculation season, like I said. We're all going to be speculating all the way until uh, craziness in the kennel and the exhibition game and that first opening tip-off in November. This is how I see it right now. Andrew Nemhart is a lock to start at point guard. Chet Holmgren is basically a lock, a 98% lock to start at the four. Drew Timmy is 100% lock to start at the five. So there you got you, three starters. And then you've got six players essentially fighting for two spots. And here is how I would power rank those players based on how I see things. I think Rashir Bolton is the most likely to start out of those six because Gonzaga values experience. They value his uh, ability to score the basketball. He's really good in ball screens. He's really good uh, playing downhill. And he's really, really good playing in transition. And I think that's going to shine early on in practices. Uh, He's played three years At a high level, Uh, he played in the Big 12 his last two years. He was an all-conference performer. He played really, really well against Baylor and Oklahoma and all of the top teams in the Big 12. The kid knows how to play basketball, and I think his experience is going to shine enough for Gonzaga to start him uh, in that starting lineup. The biggest issue... Then comes, if they start Nemhard, Bolton, and Timmy all together, they need some sort of shooting in the starting lineup to balance all of that out. So to me, the next likeliest player is probably a tie between Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris. I don't know exactly how strong Hunter Salis's three-point shooting is coming into college. He looks like he's got a really good mid-range game. He's obviously very explosive, and I think he's going to be a fantastic defender. They're probably going to use this third spot for the best three and D option possible. And Hunter Salas could be that guy. Dominic Harris already basically is that guy. Uh, he just needs more minutes to shine in that role. So to me, the question is whichever one of those guys is the better shooter, I think is the one who ends up starting because Andrew Nemhardt is not a great shooter. He's, you know, low to mid 30%. Drew Timmy has yet to prove uh, that he can step out and shoot, though I suspect that he'll be shooting more threes next year. Sheer Bolton has never really been a elite three-point shooter. He's kind of like Nemhard in the low to the mid 30%. And then Chet Holmgren is a freshman. He has the ability to shoot. He has shown that at the high school and AAU level. But of course, he has yet to prove it in college. So they need some sort of three-point shooting uh, in the starting lineup. And like I said, Salas and Harris seem to be those two guys that would provide that more than anybody else. Julian Strother, who I love, I would put in that next category. I don't think he starts because I don't think he shoots it well enough. But I think he's the perfect player to play 15, 20 minutes and get you you know, 8 to 10 points off the bench in a hurry. I think by the end of his career, he could average 15 to 20 points. He is a walking bucket. His three-point shooting has certainly improved since when he uh, came into uh, Gonzaga as a freshman last year. It wasn't great in high school and at the FIBA level, uh, but he had, you know, moments last year where he was hitting two in a row, three in a row, and he would come into games. So uh, I think it's there... But I don't think it's consistent enough um, for them to start him. I think he's going to be kind of in that energizer bunny, you know, get a bucket off the bench kind of role uh, next year. And then when he's a junior or his third year in the program, I guess, depending on how he ends up using this extra free year of eligibility. I don't know how all that's going to work. But um, his third year in the program, I think he's going to be an absolute shining star. I'm super high on Julian Strother. I just don't think he starts Uh, on this year's team but of course he's going to have a big role behind him I would put Anton Watson I don't think he's going to start either because I don't think they're going to start Chet and Timmy and Watson the more likely scenario than starting all three of those would be to start Watson and Timmy and bring Chet off the bench which I don't think has been talked about a ton by uh, many people I think uh, Alyssa Charleston actually mentioned that as a possibility on uh, Larry Weir's podcast yesterday and I hadn't really thought about that um, just given that Watson has you know, two years of experience under his belt, Chet hasn't proven anything yet, and he still is going to have to go in there and prove stuff. And if the coaching staff wants to use Chet Holmgren off the bench like they did Zach Collins, I suppose that could be an option. But having the number one recruit in the country come off the bench uh, it, it, to start the season uh, seems like an interesting decision and not one that many people are expecting. So I expect Chet Holmgren to start. I expect Anton Watson to come off the bench Um, And I expect Anton Watson to be a lot more aggressive this year. But, like I said, I don't see him and Chet and Timmy all playing together in three big lineups very often. And with Caden Perry's back injury figuring into the situation, and I don't think Ben Gregg uh, is in a spot to play expanded minutes quite yet. Uh, I think they're going to basically just use those three bigs at the 4 and 5, and that's pretty much it. Maybe spot minutes for Strother a little bit, but I doubt it. Uh, I think it's just going to be a three-man rotation with Chet, Timmy, and Watson, which means not all three of them are going to start. So Watson is going to come off the bench for me. And the last and probably least likely to start is Nolan Hickman. I just don't see him starting alongside Andrew Nemhard. He is a good shooter, so I will say uh, if they absolutely want a knockdown shooter, it seems like Nolan Hickman uh, was a fantastic shooter at the high school level, but I feel like uh, Dominic Harris would start before Nolan Hickman if shooting was just the only thing that they were looking at. Um, I think Hickman is going to be a two- to three-year player, Despite him being a top 30 recruit, I think he came to Gonzaga with that goal in mind to develop for a year and then become the starting point guard next season after Andrew Nemhard leaves. So I think he's the least likely to start. I really don't know. I mean, you can tell me that any of these six guys would be you know, the guy who ends up getting five to 10 minutes instead of 15 to 20, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but for me, I think the most likely to actually start and get the most minutes is Rashir Bolton, followed by Hunter Salas, followed by Dominic Harris, then Julian Strother, then Watson, then Hickman. Okay, that's enough speculation. I hope all of that made some sense. Coming up, we are going to reveal the 15th-ranked recruiting class of the Mark Vieira. We are down to the top 15. It has one of the most likable players in Gonzaga history, so find out who that is here in just a minute. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. The NBA and the NHL are in the playoffs. Like I said earlier, the Wizards are three point favorites against the Pacers tonight. If you want to bet on that game, Bet Online is the place to go. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action at Bet Online. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, it may sound like a broken record here, but just a recap for those that are new and just tuning into the show. Over the next month, we are counting down from worst recruiting class to best recruiting class at the Mark Few era. These rankings do include transfers, and there are three of them uh, in today's class. And those transfers count from the year they entered the program. The most notable walk-ons also included. These are my own personal rankings, and they are a combination of talent, success, and what they meant to the program as a whole. Yesterday was the class of 2001, highlighted by Roni Turioff. And today's class, number 15, the 15th ranked recruiting class. We are into the top 15. Today's class is the class of... 2012 class of 2012 had three transfers in drew barham gerard coleman angel nunez and a freshman named shemek karnowski also a walk-on named rem and of course shemek and rem became uh, two humongous fan favorites and one of the best um, i guess christmas skits of all time was santa shem and his little elf rem And that will always be one of the funniest uh, off-court moments in Gonzaga history. Let's talk about those three transfers and start with Drew Barham. Drew Barham came in from Memphis. He played two years in Memphis in Conference USA, sat out for a redshirt season, and then played 64 games for Gonzaga. He was kind of in and out of the rotation. His minutes kind of fluctuated a little bit on that uh, 2013 team that was the number one team in the country for the first time in school history. And then uh, he started six games and played nearly 20 minutes a game the year after in the uh, 14 season. He was a sharpshooter. That was his role, was to shoot threes. In his two years at Gonzaga, he shot 220 shots. 181 of those 220 shots were three-pointers. 181 threes, just 39 twos. He shot 47% from deep as a member of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. He averaged just over six points a game and three rebounds uh, his senior season at Gonzaga. He had an international career after that. He played in the Czech Republic. He played in Romania. He played in Hungary. uh, He played in Germany. He played a little bit in the G League as well. His most successful season uh, came just two years ago. And it doesn't look like I can't find that he's been playing the last two years. So his most recent season was the 18-19 year in Germany playing for the Hamburg Towers, and he averaged 16 and half points a game, uh, shooting 36% from deep. So shout out to Drew Barm, an absolute sniper. We move to Gerard Coleman, and I think a lot of fans uh, see Gerard Coleman as one of the, the bigger transfer disappointments over the last decade. He came in as a two-year starter from Providence, where he started 50 games in two seasons for them. And he averaged double figures in both of those seasons. Ten points as a freshman, thirteen points as a sophomore. He was a really good rebounder. He was known as a, a good defender as well. And then he came to Gonzaga, and in his first nine games, he averaged eleven points and four, or just under four rebounds a game. And people thought, "All right, this is what we asked for. Um, this is what we needed on this team." And then the final twenty games of the season or so, he averaged four points and. Uh, He kind of fell out of favor in the rotation, didn't play a whole lot. His scoring prowess kind of went to the wayside. He only shot 43%. He was never uh, really a good three-point shooter, even at Providence. um, But he shot just one of eight from three-point land. So he was a little bit easier to defend um, because of his inability to shoot threes. uh, But he never turned into what a lot of fans wanted him to be at Gonzaga. So a little bit of a disappointment with Gerard Coleman. And then Angel Nunez, also somewhat of a disappointment. He came in and redshirted that 2012-13 season after playing his first year at Louisville. And he played two years for Gonzaga, averaged right around seven minutes a game both seasons, but he never really looked comfortable uh, on the court in Gonzaga's system. He was always a really good athlete. who looked like he had a ton of potential, But he just never seemed to really click in Gonzaga's offense. Average right around uh, three points, two rebounds. He shot 50%. And then he transferred to South Florida for his senior year. Uh, where he got a lot more run. He started 30 games for South Florida, averaged 30 minutes a game, uh, just a hair under 10 points and five rebounds a game. And then he actually had a cup of coffee in the G League this past year, which I did not know, but I was doing some research on him, and he played six games in the G League in the uh, 2019-2020 season for the Long Island Nets. He also spent a year in France in 2017, uh, where he played 19 games in France and averaged four and a half points a game. So, Anel Nunez, kind of like Gerard Coleman, a player that uh, a lot of fans had really high hopes for because of their athleticism uh, and potential, but never really turned out to be exactly what they hoped for. Shemek Karnowski, on the other hand, everything you could hope for and more. I talked yesterday about Roni Turioff, and how he helped pave the way for future international stars and how future international stars kind of built on Turioff's original success coming over from overseas. Shema Karnowski came over from Poland and became not just an all-time zag, but one of the more memorable college basketball faces in all of recent memory. He was a role player as a freshman on Gonzaga's uh, 2013 team, when they were the number one team in the country for the first time, averaged uh, just over 10 minutes a game, five points a game, and then as a sophomore and junior, he entered the starting lineup and started 73 games over those two seasons, averaged just about 25 minutes a game, 10 and a half points a game. And he helped Gonzaga finally break through along with Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell and Kyle Wilcher. Sabonis, that team in 2015, he was a big part of it. And they finally broke through to the Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. And then 2016 hit. And I feel like I've talked about this story before with Shema Karnowski, but um, he had a career-threatening back injury in that 2016 uh, season, and a lot of people thought his career would be over. But somehow he rehabbed and came back three months earlier than expected and came back better than ever in that 2017 season, and he was a vital cog in that uh, Gonzaga National runner-up season. Over his career, he ranked 7th all time in Gonzaga field goal percentage, sixth in Gonzaga career blocks, fourth in rebounds. And he leads not just all Gonzaga players, but literally every player in the history of college basketball with 137 wins. He is the winningest player in the history of the sport. He was a huge piece, which is also his nickname uh, on free hour Brown, but he was a huge piece in the ascent of the modern day elite level Gonzaga Bulldogs and his, Play on the court plus his charismatic personality puts him in the upper echelon of not just Gonzaga greats, but all-time NCAA greats as well. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, of course, it's Friday, so it's going to be another Gonzaga five-star Friday. We have a story to read from a listener named Liz. And we are going to preview Gonzaga's baseball series coming up this weekend with the San Francisco Dons. Gonzaga is looking to win two of three or even get a sweep and hopefully hold on to a chance at hosting a regional in the NCAA tournament. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. We'll recap the Sabonis versus Rui Hachimura game and we'll give you a preview for the weekend for all overseas Zags in the playoffs. Don't forget, you can tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today on the show, they're talking about the Warriors and Lakers game and how Steph Curry's performance just wasn't quite enough to beat LeBron James and L.A. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave a review with your Gonzaga story. I will read them tomorrow and every Friday on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions or ideas, comments, concerns, anything you want to say to me, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody, enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here on Friday morning to preview the weekend. It is a great day to be a Zag.